The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. Chris Sandoval is a dear friend whom I've known for some 13 years. I was part of a committee for the establishment of an Hispanic uh, work in Chicago and had the pleasure of hiring Chris, very impressed with him many years ago. We've gone through plenty of ups and downs in life and funny things and things to weep together about since then. I'm very grateful for his wise counsel and consider him a dear friend. He was ordained in, by the Presbytery of the Midwest of the OPC as an evangelist and church planter in 2006 and is serving now as a church planter with the PCA in, as I said, Logan Heights area of uh, San Diego in connection with Acts 29, which is a global church planting network. He's also the founder and president of Alma Community Care, which is an inner city uh, counseling, Christian counseling center and community developed nonprofit with whom he works uh, with his wife there as well. He's one of uh, our lecturers in the pastoral ministry seminar. He's lecturing on church planting, and as such, as one of our instructors here at Westminster, is uh, speaking in this, our faculty series uh, this fall. Welcome, Chris. Welcome. Bring us the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thanks for joining me here this, uh, this morning. Thank you, Charles, as well. Um, by God's uh, good providence and his uh, perfect timing, about a month after Charles moved to Escondido to take up his position here at Westminster, uh, God brought me back to Escondido as well. So I still remember uh, moving Charles and his family into their home, and then a few weeks later coming down myself. Uh, If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 11 through 15, and then we'll be jumping ahead to Exodus chapter 3, and then we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. So again, Exodus chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Hear now the word of God. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked away this way and that, and seeing seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling with each other. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you? a prince and a judge over us. Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And now in chapter 3, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, 
And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take off your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so begins Moses' shocking first conversation with God. Shocking mainly because of how many times Moses will go on to say no to God. Moses says no to God five times in the form of different excuses that seem disconnected, but I believe they are all connected to Moses' greatest fear. His greatest fear. The book of, Mo- uh, sorry, the book of Exodus is a book of slavery. There's all kinds of slavery in this book. Of course, there's racial and social and economic slavery, but there's also all kinds of spiritual slavery as well. The Egyptians were enslaved to their false gods. Pharaoh was enslaved to his own pride. The Israelites were almost always enslaved to comfort and convenience. And today's passage shows us that Moses is enslaved to fear. A fear that apparently is greater than his faith in God himself. A fear that is keeping him from participating, from being part of one of the greatest rescue missions ever in the world. So what's, what's he afraid of? What's he afraid of? Well, maybe Moses is afraid of Pharaoh and his, his army. After all, Pharaoh was the, the uh, strongest, the, the most powerful man on earth at that time, and his army the strongest. And at first glance, after reading Exodus chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, it seems to indicate that Moses fled, that he ran away from Egypt because he was 
afraid of Pharaoh. So maybe Moses refuses to go back to Egypt because of Pharaoh and his army. But there are a couple of things, I think, that indicate otherwise. First, if you go through the rest of chapter 3 and into 4, you'll notice that in all of his excuses to God, not once does Moses mention Pharaoh or his army. Secondly, if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, we find that the author tells us that by faith, Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. So I think we can assume that he's not afraid of Pharaoh and his army. Maybe Moses has a fear of public speaking. For a while now, uh, the greatest fear among Americans, apparently, is public, fear, uh, public speaking. Greater even than their fear of heights, creepy things, and drowning. So maybe Moses has his own case of glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. And a quick and, I'd say, isolated reading of Moses' fourth excuse to God in Exodus 4.10 seems, again, to indicate a fear, a fear of public speaking. After all, Moses does say to God, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And yet, if we go to Acts chapter 7, verse 22, we are told that Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and his deeds. So I think it's safe to say that Moses the classically trained former prince of Egypt was not afraid of public speaking and that this is not why he refuses to obey God. So again, what is Moses afraid of? What is this fear that is greater than his faith in God? As a side note, these are some of the questions you have to ask when you're counseling people at church or maybe even in your discipleship groups. When they keep pushing back against God and they keep giving excuses, you have to ask, what are they afraid of? And so if we were to look at Moses, as we would any other brother in Christ, if we were to look at Moses as a member of our church, we have to ask, what is he afraid of? What's going on here? As a pastor, I believe that Moses' fear is the fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. It's not a small thing for Moses, and it's not a small thing for any of us. Studies in neuroscience have recently concluded that the human brain detects registers and even treats the pain of social rejection a lot like it does physical pain. In other words, social rejection doesn't just hurt emotionally. Apparently, social rejection hurts physiologically as well. 
Additionally and unfortunately, humans tend to remember and even feel the pain of social rejection a lot longer than we do physical pain. By the time God appears to Moses in Exodus 3, 40 years have passed since Moses was first rejected by his people. And yet the pain of rejection endured. In Exodus chapter 2, Moses had foolishly and maybe arrogantly tried to save and lead his people, but almost immediately they turn on him and basically ask him, who do you think you are? It was a question that left Moses speechless. If you look at the account, he doesn't reply. It was, a, it was a question that left Moses speechless and afraid back then, and without realizing it, it was the same question Moses asked God as his first excuse. Who am I? God had interrupted and disrupted Moses' comfortable life with the Midianites, far away from the people he loved the most, but from the very same people who had hurt him the most. And in that moment when God broke into Moses' life, the one thing that motivated, the one thing that scared, the one thing that controlled Moses the most became painfully obvious. God said to Moses, I'm going to save my people and keep my promise to them and I'm sending you to do it. Who am I? asked Moses. Don't worry, I'll be with you the whole way, says God. What if the Israelites ask, who sent me? responds Moses. Tell them the great I am sent you, and I promise, says God, they will listen to you. They're not going to listen to me, objects Moses. They will, I promise, says God. I'll even give you three signs to help you. I'm not good at speaking. And here I think we can put in parentheses, with your people. I'm not good at speaking back then or now, claims Moses. Don't worry, Moses. I made your mouth and I can make you talk too, says God. Finally, Moses begs, please, God, send somebody, send anybody but me. Just go, says Moses. Aaron will speak for you to the people. Moses' fear of rejection was greater than his faith in God. It was a debilitating fear. It was a fear that kept him from obeying God. This morning, what's keeping you from saying yes to God? What's stopping you from being part of the greatest rescue mission ever in the history of the world? What's stopping you from hearing and believing and applying the gospel of Jesus to your life? What's stopping you from sharing that gospel with others? 
Is it possible? Could it be that it's your fear of rejection? That you fear being rejected by the people you think give you identity, value, and worth? Could it be that your fear of rejection is greater than your faith in God and his acceptance of you through Jesus? 15 year, uh, 1,500 years after God first called Moses and God forced him to confront his fear of rejection, God sent another liberator, a better one, to come and to save and serve his people. God sent Jesus, Jesus, whose faith in his Father was greater than any fear of being rejected by his people. John chapter 1, verse 11 simply says that Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, says John, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This morning, God is calling you and he's calling me to believe in Jesus and to trust that Jesus is the only one that can save us and free us from the fear of rejection. This morning, God is calling us to have faith in the one who willingly took up the pain of rejection by others so that you and I could be accepted and welcomed and loved by God the Father forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for not rejecting us, despite how often we reject you in our daily lives. Forgive us for a fear of rejection that is often greater than our faith in you. Forgive us for looking for our identity, our value, and our worth in others, but not often in Jesus. Father, by your grace and by your spirit this morning, we pray that you would free us from fear of rejection and free us to trust more and more and your acceptance of us through Jesus. Father, we pray these things and we thank you. In the name of our servant, Savior, in the name of Jesus, amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.